Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Football is back. AB is in Oakland. Le'Veon's with the Jets. OBJ and Jarvis Landry have teamed up again in Cleveland. One thing that hasn't changed, though, where I'm placing my bets this season. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. I would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus. Double your first deposit. Put in $100 and MyBookie will give you an extra $100 to gamble with. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today at MyBookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use the promo code CHAIR when creating your account to claim the bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet, win, get paid. Hey, Chris, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Yes. (laughs) Specifically in the bedroom. Do you want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? I know you do. Well, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach or empty. And since they are chewable... They work up to twice as fast as a pill. Wow. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Because I know you like to seize an opportunity when you see it, Chris. Oh, absolutely. If you can benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most, most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Doctor's visits are literally the worst. They're made in the U.S. of A., and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners and Chris. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. That is ARMCHAIR. B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code armchair to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Boys, it's Jeremy W. Miller. Neil, the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists from Shea. Oh, oh the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 no. oh no! Right Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor on the deep Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod Podcast. 
Welcome to another episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. I am your host, Chris Cook, and today we have part two of our series on the Pacers profiles. Uh, Last week when you were listening, we had went over the point guard position for the Pacers, and this week on this episode, we will be going through uh, the wing players. So last week we had four players that we were reviewing, and then this week I believe if we have seven here on the docket that we're going to be going over with you guys. Um, So a lot of information to cover here today. Um, So we're just going to go ahead and dive right in here at the start. Um, the one wing player that everybody knows on the Pacers, the most well-known player in the state of Indiana, Victor Oladipo, uh, pretty much the face behind the Indiana Pacers right now. Uh, he is 27 years old, so still uh, he's entering those prime years of uh, his NBA career right now. Um, still really young. So as you guys, as you guys all know, uh, Victor attended Indiana Indiana University. I can't even say that right. He attended IU uh, for three seasons. So he decided to forego his senior season uh, in 2013 and ended up uh, declaring for the NBA draft uh, along with his teammate Cody Zeller. Uh, Victor was drafted second overall that year by the Orlando Magic. It was a weak draft class. Uh, Anthony Bennett went number one overall. So a lot of people thought Victor should have went first and then as we all know uh, Giannis was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks that season and he should have definitely been the number one overall pick but definitely at at that point of his career he was a project and nobody knew how good he was going to be but anyway Victor was drafted second overall by the Magic and so this season he'll be entering his seventh NBA season uh, in the NBA so it's kind of nuts to think about that you know he's been in the NBA for this long so uh, some awards and achievements for Victor. A lot of these were compiled during uh, his first season with the Pacers, as well as uh, that last year of college when he uh, played for IU. Uh, most notably, we all know he's a two-time NBA All-Star. Uh, he was an All-Star last season, but obviously couldn't play due to the injury. Uh, all In 2017-2018, uh, these were all the awards that he racked up. He was All-NBA third team. Uh, All-NBA defensive first team, uh, the most improved player in the NBA, and also the NBA steals leader. So it's very impressive awards there and achievements uh, in his first season with the Pacers. Uh, His rookie year, he was on the All-NBA rookie first team, and that was the year that Michael Carter-Williams, I think, I think he won the uh, Rookie of the Year award that year. Uh, College, I mean... Tons of awards there as well. First team All-American, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Adolph Rupp, Rupp Trophy, sorry, and the Sporting News Player of the Year. So a lot of uh, awards there in college, and it's obviously why he was the second overall pick. Uh, some career highs for Vic points-wise. In uh, 2017, he scored 47 points against the Denver Nuggets. I uh, remember that game. I believe the Pacers were down by a decent amount. Um, and he just was on fire. So 47 points is a career high. Uh, Rebounds-wise, he had that against the Detroit Pistons in 2017. He had 15 boards against them. Uh, Assists-wise, his career high in assists is 14. He had that against the New York Knicks back in 2014. So 14 assists in 2014. And then steals-wise, uh, his career high in steals was seven in a game versus uh, his old team, the Orlando Magic. So some impressive career highs there from Vic, but obviously we went through all those awards, so it's not really surprising. Uh, contract situation, he's got two more years left on his deal. Uh, so he'll be making uh, $42 million in those two years, and it's split evenly between the two years in this season. He's going to be making $21 million. Uh, so he's going to be entering uh, unrestricted free agency in 2021. Um, so he's got two more years left. 2021, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. No team or player options on that deal. He's just going to be a free agent. Uh, regardless. Um, so hopefully uh, between you know the two years that the Pacers can convince him to stay and he ends up signing a long-term deal here after uh, his deal is up. So that's obviously the ideal situation for the, for the Pacers and for Victor Oladipo at this point. Um, so fit with the Pacers. Just like last time as we discussed, we're going to go over this uh, with each player here today. 
um, fit with the Pacers is he is the Indiana Pacers. That's my first bullet point. Um, he is the heart and soul of the team. Uh, you guys all know that. Everybody knows that. People who don't watch the Pacers know that he is the face behind the franchise. So he is the Indiana Pacers, obviously. Uh, Injury-wise, and a lot of these guys, we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, Old Depot's injury and how that impacts them that we're going to discuss here today. But injury-wise, no real clear timetable's been set on uh, on the injury. Uh, you know, Tony Parker had the same type of injury, and he came back in a decent amount of time. Um, so a lot of people are thinking, you know, maybe early December to late January. So that's a two-month span there. So nobody really knows. Uh, I guess it all just kind of depends on how the rehab goes here. The Pacers don't want to rush him back. They want to give him enough time to uh, – they don't want to just throw him out there and then have something happen, you know, uh, later on or early on where it's just they rush him back from injury and then he just ends up getting even more hurt. So they're certainly not going to rush him back. And then when he does eventually – does eventually when he does come back to play, uh, he's going to be – you know, eased into the lineup. I foresee him probably coming off the bench maybe when he comes back and then uh, maybe being on that Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, uh, rest rest schedule where he's not playing, you know, in every single game unless, like, you know, the Pacers are out of the playoffs and they absolutely need him to be in the game. So um, we all know what he's capable of and what he can do. Um, so there's really no explaining that needs to be said about that, but I guess I think the thing I'm most interested in seeing from him this season is, uh, how he fits in with the new guys, you know, a lot of turnaround with this team, um, between last season and this season. And so I'm very interested to see how, uh, he fits in alongside these new guys and how they fit in alongside next to him. So, um, it's going to be, it might be difficult for him, you know, coming in uh, after a month or two, missing the season, you know, and finding uh, find, finding his mark with the new guys. I, I think that's a word I want to use to describe it. But it's just going to be tough for him to come in and, you know, have a decent amount of guys who haven't been on the team in the last couple seasons, um, the guys that he's been used to playing with. So I am interested to see how he fits in alongside uh, all these new players that are on the team this year. Um, the other point I have here, pairing him with Malcolm Brogdon in the backcourt is going to provide the Pacers with two players who can handle ball duties uh, on, or play off the ball. So they can hit, both can handle – that's why I don't read. I just make bullet points, and apparently I decided to write out my sentences today, so that's why I stumbled while saying this. So they can both handle ball duties or play off the ball. Um, so either way, I mean, you kind of got two point guards out there when they're both in the lineup, you can mix and match. It doesn't mean Brogdon is going to be the primary point guard, uh, but Oladipo can obviously bring the ball down and Brogdon has no issues playing off the ball and vice versa. So, uh, you have two lethal ball handlers there and then two players who can also play well off the ball as, uh, Brogdon had showed in Milwaukee. Yeah, he played the two position there, so he's got experience doing that. So I'm really interested to see how they fit together, uh, in the backcourt on the offensive end, but defensively, I think they're going to make a formidable tandem. I think they're definitely going to be one of the best defensive backcourts in the league. So I'm very excited to see, uh, how they, you know, defend against opposing uh, offenses. And then, obviously, with uh, Oladipo, you get your go-to guy. Uh, so you need a bucket, you go to him. Um, we saw last year, after he had been injured, uh, the Pacers just struggled, you know, when they were going through those offensive funks uh, during the game or they needed a big basket in, at the end of the game. They didn't have that go-to guy. So having him back is going to be a blessing in that aspect because, you know, you need a – you need a go-to shot. You need someone to, you know, break the ice when, you know, things aren't going well in the middle of the game. He is definitely that the player that's done that for the Pacers. So uh, that's that's the biggest thing for him. And then also, I mean, he can make the play on the offensive side of the ball. We've seen that, the big shots he makes. But he can also make those defensive plays as well. So uh, when you need a stop or, you know, you need to throw him out there on the other teams, one of the other teams' best players, he's going to – He's definitely proven himself to be able to make uh, those types of stops on the defensive end. So not just offensively can he help you out, but he can also bail you out on the defensive end. Ceiling-wise, I say he comes back from the injury and he doesn't miss a beat. That's the, And this is just the ceiling for this season, not for his career. 
Um, I don't think he's going to play in enough games to qualify for the All-Star spot, especially if he comes back in January. Um, I don't think he'll be voted in as a starter. Um, so I think his ceiling for sure would just be coming right, right back right away, and it just looks like he doesn't miss a beat. He's just right back into form. Um, I don't really expect that to be the case, but we're saying, well, what's his ceiling? I think that's the ceiling for this season, as it just doesn't take him that long to get back to who the player we all expect him to be. Um, and like I said, this is just for this season, for his career. Obviously, the ceiling doesn't exist. He's proven himself that, you know, there's a lot of different, more things that he wants to accomplish. But I think for this season and this season only, I think that, uh, you know, coming back from that gruesome injury and you know playing like he playing right away and throughout the rest of the year like he hadn't missed any time I think would definitely be a great ceiling for him uh as for his floor kind of piggybacking off that I'd say he comes back from the injury and it pretty much just takes the entirety of the season for him to come back and get back to the guy that we all expect him to be so Pretty much that would mean that, you know, this is kind of his preseason or his warm-up for, you know, next year. Not not the year coming up, but 2020-2021. Uh, so this would be the warm-up year for that. So that would be the floor for him is just it takes him a while to get back. Um, he's missed a significant amount of time, so it, it differs for every single player. We don't know how he's going to respond to it. So I'd say floor-wise, it would just be he comes back from the injury and it just takes him a while to get back into it. And hopefully it doesn't, but you never know. Fun fact, I'll say the first one here first, As we all, but a lot of people already know this. He has three siblings. One of them is his twin sister, which that's an interesting one right there, though. And then his real name, and I'm going to try to say this, but I'm going to screw it up. I didn't do any research. His real name just isn't Victor Oladipo. It's Kehinde Babatunde Victor Oladipo. So there you have it. I think I knew that. I knew that already, but I just forgot, and I never think of it. So I'll say that one more time. Kehinde Babatunde Victor Oladipo. Don't go out in public and say it like that because I probably said it wrong. Um, but that's an interesting fun fact for you. Right there, if you were not aware, twin sister and his full name. All right, so that finishes it up for Victor. Up next, we have Jeremy Lamb. Alrighty, next up here, Jeremy Lamb out of the University of Connecticut. He is also 27 years old, the same age as Victor Oladipo. And like I just said, he attended UConn from 2010 to 2012. And uh, in 2011, he actually won the national title against the Butler Bulldogs. And his teammate there was Kimba Walker. And then also, uh, a lot of people don't think of that, he was teammates with Kimba at UConn. And he also played, I believe, four seasons with him in the NBA with Charlotte Hornets. So uh, they have been teammates for definitely a long time parts of their basketball careers and this will be uh, one of the first years they haven't played together in a while so uh, in the 2012 NBA draft he was drafted 12th overall by the Houston Rockets and he was a part of the trade of the James Harden trade uh, where he was traded then to Oklahoma City and James Harden was then dealt to Houston so uh, Jeremy is going to be entering his eighth NBA season this year uh, some awards for him, like I had just men mentioned, he's an NCAA champion. Uh, that's a big deal right there. And then also back in his college career, he was first team all Big East. So nothing in the pro level quite yet, but maybe we'll see something from him, hopefully in a Pacers uniform. Uh, career highs for Jeremy, points-wise. Uh, he had 32 points as his career high. He had that against the Toronto Raptors back in 2017. Uh, Rebounds-wise, he had 17 boards. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Against the New York Knicks in 2016. Uh, Assists-wise, 7 is his career high against the Warriors uh, last season. And then also steals that same game. He had 4 of them against the Warriors. So, 7 assists versus the, versus the Warriors is his career high. And 4 steals is his career high in steals. Both against the Golden State Warriors last season. Contract-wise, he signed a three-year, $31.5 million contract with the Indiana Pacers back in July. 
This year, he is going to make $10.5 million. His contract runs through 2022. There is no player or team option on that. It's just a straight three-year deal, and he will be in an Indiana Pacers uniform unless he gets dealt somewhere in the meantime for the next three seasons. His fit with the Pacers, uh, he's presumably going to be the Pacers' sixth man once Oladipo returns back from injury. Um, until then, he's expected to fill in as the starter at the shooting guard position while Oladipo rehabs. Um, some things with Jeremy that uh, that I do like is he's a very good jump shooter and he excels at uh, shooting off the dribble. If you go back and watch some of his highlights with the Charlotte Hornets, um, he excelled in the second score type role next to Kimball Walker. Um, and so uh, he's very good at, you know, taking two or three dribbles and shoot and then taking a jump shot uh that that's kind of his game right there um and then also spot up wise he's a decent three-point shooter so hopefully that uh on the offensive side of the ball can you know create some offense for the pacers free throw shooting another thing that i hit on with uh some of the point guard positions he's a career 85 percent free throw shooter which you love to see last season he shot 89 percent from the free throw line so the one thing the pacers did do was bring in some good free throw shooting something they did not have last year and that can only help them um my biggest concern with jeremy is you know back from his yukon days okc um and then also in charlotte is his shot selection he kind of seems streaky to me sometimes either he's got it or he doesn't um so i just don't want to see him forcing things when it's not there um and so you know just having a deep the you know the deep a mentality to know whether or not it's a good shot to take don't just force things um and you know when you're not feeling it can he make his impact in the game in any other type of way besides scoring so that's what i'm interested to see from him um and can he keep up that can consistency over an 82 game season uh something that i felt like he hasn't been able to do just quite yet in his nba career uh, ceiling for Jeremy, I'm saying he averages over 12 points per game in a Pacers uniform this year. That's the ceiling I have for him. You might think that's a little low because he averaged about 16 points per game last year, and you're thinking, wow, that's a four points per game dip. Um, but you got to remember that you're going to expect his playing time to most likely decrease. He's not going to be the second scoring option for the Pacers, especially when Oladipo returns. And also, Charlotte was just a mediocre team last year. So I always hesitate to look at those guys who are on bad teams and then they get moved to a good team the next year, i.e. Tyreek Evans, i.e. Evan Turner. Just look at how it goes. Um, you can't just always think that because a guy averaged 18 points on a bad team, that's going to translate to success on a good team. So someone has to score on a bad team too. So uh, I think 12 points per game is definitely a good ceiling for Jeremy this year. Like, I don't really expect him to average over 16 points per game again, but I think, you know, if he can average over 12 points per game, I think that's a definitely a great ceiling for him in a Pacers uniform uh, this season. My floor for him, and I had just mentioned his name, he Tyreek Evans it, and you guys know what that means. Pretty much just has terrible shot selection, turns the ball over, is inconsistent as hell, and can't make layups. <laughs> The biggest Tyreek Evans fault right there, layup shooting. So his floor is definitely if he comes in here because he's presumably the sixth man and he just Tyreek Evans it. We pray that does not happen. Fun fact about Mr. Lamb, last season he had a career high in three-pointers three made with five. Against who, you guessed it right, the Indiana Pacers. That was a game in November. He made five three-pointers against the Pacers, and I think every time we go to Charlotte, they can't make or they can't miss anything. So that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. All right, so that wraps it up there for Jeremy. Next up on the list, T.J. Warren. All righty, next up, as I just mentioned, T.J. Warren. T.J. is 25 years old and coming up in September so next month he's going to be 26 years of age so still very very young TJ attended NC State from 2012 to 2014 in the 2014 NBA draft he was selected 14th overall by the Phoenix Suns 
I think that's a little... Jeremy Lane was drafted 12th and 12, and TJ Warren was drafted 14th and 14. Wow, we're on to some here. TJ is going to be entering his sixth NBA season this year. Some awards for him, for him, and like Jeremy Lamb, nothing yet at the NBA level. He was a second-team All-American back in 2014, the ACC Player of the Year that year as well, and then also first-team All-ACC. So the year before he dra- was drafted to the NBA, he just balled out in college. Career highs for uh, TJ. From points perspective, his career high is 40 points. He did that against the Washington Wizards back in 2017. Uh, rebounds, he pulled down six rebounds against the OKC Thunder in 2017. Uh, assists, he had six versus the Clippers in 2015. And then steals, his career high is five against the Denver Nuggets in 2018. Uh, from a contract perspective, he's got three years left on his current deal. Uh, this upcoming season, he's going to be earning about $10.8 million, and that just slightly increases each year. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2022. So uh, just like with Jeremy Lamb, they will be uh, free agents at the same time. No team or player options on those deals, and uh, he will presumably be in an Indiana Pacers uniform for the next three seasons. That is, unless he gets traded. So, uh, I think we can all assume that he's going to be, this is now moving on to the fit with the Pacers, I think we can all assume he's going to be the Pacers starting small forward this year. Um, So he's a hybrid forward, and just because he starts at small forward doesn't mean that's where he's going to play the entirety of the game. Uh, He can also play power forward, where he played a lot with the Phoenix Suns in the last couple seasons. Uh, He has the length to play both positions, as he is 6'8". Last season, he shot a career high in three-point percentage. Shooting 42.8%, that's not too shabby whatsoever. The Pacers are hoping he can step in and fill the role as a more athletic Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, I think TJ Warren does a better job of creating shots on offense, whereas Bogey is more of a catch-and-shoot and and also uh, drive to the basket, which is another part of the game he developed while he was with the Pacers. But TJ Warren, definitely a more athletic, not saying he's better than Bojan, but a more athletic version. Another good thing about TJ, he shot 81.5% from the free throw line last year. So I'm going on that thing that the uh, Pacers have brought in some good free throw shooters. Uh, Warren has the ability to create shots off the dribble, as I just mentioned. He's a proven scorer, and he he is just that on the offensive end. Uh, He's going to get you buckets, but do not expect him to create for others. Uh, When he's feeling it, he can easily get you probably 25 to 30 points, but don't expect that on a regular basis. I believe last season he averaged 18 points on the Suns, and kind of going into my thing about bad players scoring points on bad, or not, excuse me, I said that wrong. Good players, decent players scoring high points on bad teams. Don't think that just because you average 25 on the Suns, that means you're going to be that type of player on the Pacers. Because someone's got to score on those bad teams too. Um, The only thing that really worries me about TJ mostly is his defense. Um, So during his NBA career, he struggled on the defensive end. Uh, He's had lackluster defenders that have had better defensive ratings than him. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., just to name one. Um, so maybe being in a new system and a fresh start, you know, under Dan Burke's defensive system will motivate him to improve on that side of the ball. Um, but you never know what could happen. Bojan, player that I've said that he's filling in for, he was a terrible defender when he came to the Pacers. And not saying he was a good one after he left, but he was definitely thought as more of a, you know, with more respect on the defensive end during his time with the Pacers uh, than when he was, especially, you know, when he came here in that first season, he was just got awful on defense. Ceiling-wise, for T.J. Warren this year, I'm saying he averages over 15 points per game for the Pacers, and he shoots 40% from the three-point line again. So I think that was definitely a good ceiling for him. Just taking a little notch back in uh, points per game scoring. We all know he can get buckets. He's going to have to be a primary offensive option when Oladipo's out. Um, And then shooting 40% from the three-point line again, I think that uh, that would be a good ceiling for him. Floor-wise... 
The guy can't stay healthy. And my floor for him is he misses most of the season. Uh, the most games he's played in an NBA season, it's going to surprise you, 66. So the most games he's played in an NBA season is 66. That means he missed, still missed 16 games that year. Last season, he only played in 43 games. And yeah, it probably makes a difference. He's playing on a terrible team. So who knows how actually motivated he was to come back from injury. But still, when you see that, it's a little eye-opening. Uh, my fun fact for TJ, and there's not many out there, but I found this tweet, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who the tweet was from. It was back in January of 2018 is when the tweet was sent out. This was a fun fact tweeted, and this was only three months into the NBA season, so take it as you will. At that point in the season, three months in, TJ Warren had made more baskets than James Harden, Chris Stops Porzingis, and Jimmy Butler. Now that's something right there. All right, that's going to wrap up Mr. Warren. And next up, we have Justin Holiday. All right, now we're into Justin Holiday, the uh, player that the Pacers signed near the end of July. We all know that he's Aaron Holiday's older brother, and Justin is 30 years old this NBA season. Um, some background on him, and I want you to buckle up. So if you're in the car right now listening to this, or uh, you know, you're at your chair at work or whatever, just buckle up because we're going on a bumpy ride here. I'm going to name off, starting at, starting with his college, obviously. All the teams that he played for and was cut by to start off his NBA career. It's just fascinating. It's fascinating. So first off, he attended Washington from 2011 to 2011 uh, for his college career. He went undrafted in the 2011 NBA draft. And so after he went undrafted, he decided to go play overseas for a season. And he actually played alongside former Pacer Chris Copeland when he was uh, going through overseas trying to make it make it to the NBA. So actually this year, uh, Justin's going to be entering his seventh NBA season. So now is where you need to brace yourself. This is where it gets bumpy. In July 2012, he joined the Cleveland Cavaliers. October 2012, he was cut by the Cavaliers just months later. Then... Uh, that same month, October 2012, he joined the Portland Trailblazers. A uh, couple days later, he was cut by the Portland Trailblazers in October, and he played in the G League for the rest of the season until April 2013. He was signed by the Philadelphia 76ers. He played there uh, for the rest of the year, and then in August 2013, the Sixers cut him. Um, and then month later in September 2013, he signed with the Utah Jazz and was cut in October 2013, uh, just a month after he signed there to play with them, probably in training camp. So the 13-14 season, he played in Hungary. Hungary. How do you say that? Hungary, Hungary, whatever. Uh, And in July 2014, that following year, he signed with the Golden State Warriors, and that leads me to his awards and achievements. So as you can see, a lot of bump, a bumpy road there for Justin to start off his NBA career. I would love to talk to him about that because it's just so interesting to me. He went through all that and was an NBA champion in 2015 with the Golden State Warriors. And then in 2014, I don't know the difference between this, but it was on his accolades, Hungarian League champion in 2014, and also the Hungarian Cup winner. So he was a cup winner and a league champion. I, f- I figure both were the cha- were about being a champion in the league, but I guess there's two different types of winning in the league, so he got both of them the same season, which is impressive. Career high is in the NBA. Uh, career high in points was last season. He had 30 against the Dallas Mavericks. Rebound career high is 13 he had against the Miami Heat in 2018. Assists he had 7 against the Detroit Pistons in 2018. And his career high in steals is 6 against the Golden State Warriors in 2016. Uh, the year he after he played with them, uh, he got that against them, 6 steals. He signed that contract, as we mentioned before, with the Pacers in late July. It's a one-year, $4.7 million contract, so he will be an unrestricted free agent next offseason. His fit with the Pacers, he's a true NBA wing player. He can play the shooting guard and small forward positions. He is listed as six foot six inches. 
He's going to come off the bench to start to play alongside his brother Aaron. Um, so it's going to be asked of him pretty much to be a top-level defense defensive player on opposing wings, and he's also going to need to be able to knock down open shots and space the floor for the Pacers in that second unit. Um, so I can definitely see him, uh, you know, defensively, especially in the Pacers system. I could see him being a defensive stopper that plays deep into the fourth quarter for the Pacers when you know you got opposing wings that are just. Uh, that you're going to need to put a ball stopper on. So I could see him playing deep into the fourth quarter for the Pacers, especially if uh, you know he's he's hitting from three and making open shots. The biggest fit I have regarding Justin Holiday and the Indiana Pacers, and it's one word: depth. All capitalized depth. The Pacers have a lot of it. And then my next point on him: he is relentless. We went over his uh, short little biography there on him to start off his year start off his career he does not give up i'll give him that so he's a relentless guy comes from a really good family all three of them are in the nba so um he's gonna work his butt off ceiling he plays so well during oladipo's rehab that the pacers are forced to give him minutes after oladipo comes back and they give him those minutes in the second unit i could see him stealing away minutes from the inconsistent doug Mc Mick Dermott, who I'll be talking about next. I have a love-hate relationship with Doug McDermott, Dougie McBuckets. It's mostly hate. So that's my ceiling for him. I think Justin Holiday. I know McDermott can shoot, but Justin Holiday is a better player than Doug McDermott in my eyes. And so I think his ceiling is stealing his minutes in the backup role backup small forward role because Doug McDermott is way too inconsistent and doesn't play defense. But we'll get into more on that in a little bit when we cover Mr. McBuckets. The floor for Justin, there's not much of a floor for him. Did you see all that shit that I went through at the beginning of this? He's already been through it. He's been through the ringer. He has no floor. He's been through the floor. He's been at rock bottom. No floor for Justin Holiday. Fun fact. And as we've mentioned, everybody knows his two brothers. He's actually the oldest sibling out of the Holiday brothers, even though Drew was drafted before him in 2009. That's going to wrap up Justin Holiday. And next up, as I said, Doug McDermott. All right, now we get into Dougie McBuckets. Doug McDermott, 27 years old. He's going to be turning 28 this NBA season in January. Happy early birthday, Dougie McBuckets. McDermott attended Creighton, where he was coached by his father, from 2010 to 2014. You can't say it, but Doug McDermott definitely looks like the type of guy that was coached by his father. He was drafted 11th overall in the 2014 NBA draft by the Denver Nuggets, where he was immediately then dealt to the Chicago Bulls. He he is now entering his 6th NBA season. Uh, awards and achievements, all of these from college at Creighton. He was the National College Player of the Year in 2014, three-time first-team All-American for three seasons, and he also was the NCAA scoring leader in 2014. He averaged 26.7 points per game. Career highs in the NBA, he had 31 points versus the Memphis Grizzly back in 2017. 10 rebounds versus the Toronto Raptors in 2017. 4 assists versus the Charlotte Hornets back last season. And then this one is the most depressing stat for Doug McDermott. His career high in steals is 1. And he has done that 69 times. So he has 69 career steals. Most recently he got a steal against the Atlanta Hawks uh, in 2019. So congratulations Doug. This just proves you don't play any defense. His contract, he has two years remaining on the, his current contract. This season, he will make $7.3 million. I'm pretty sure that's what it is uh, next year as well. So he will be an unrestricted free agent in 2021. His fit with the Pacers, just like last season, he is going to be returning as the Pacers' backup small forward. He is a three-point shooting specialist, shooting 40% from deep for his career 
Um, he doesn't do anything else besides shoot and move well without the ball. So if you have McDermott out there and you're expecting him to just drive to the basket or just stand in the corner and then play defense and not get looks, then you're playing him entirely wrong. He's got to be shooting the ball and moving without the ball for open shots to be effective if he's not doing that and he's just standing around in the offense it's completely pointless to play him and that's why I got so pissed off last season uh, he's a defensive liability the guy can't defend a chair it's it's just anytime he was defending I mean he could be defending the worst pl- the number 15 guy and they would just score on him he can't play defense um, he's terrible at defense I, I can't stress that enough um, the, what the Pacers do need to do, though, and this is not Doug's fault, is they need to do a better job of setting him up for looks. Uh, like I said, a lot of standing around on the offense last year. And Doug has proven he's very good at moving without the ball, running off screens. So the Pacers need to find some way to you know, set screens for him and get him open looks because, like I said, if he's not shooting, if he's not moving without the ball and he's just standing there, then why is he in the game? Because the only other thing he can do if he's just standing there in offense is play defense, and we know he can't do a damn he can't do anything on the defensive end um and my last point here is can he please shoot better from three at home this season my goodness i mean the disparity i don't remember exactly what the difference was but the guy could not shoot at home shot way better on the road from three than he did at home it made absolutely no sense and it really pissed me off as you can see i'm I'm kind of fuming reading doug mcdermott stuff Ceiling-wise for him, I have he averages over six points per game in the second unit, and he hits one and a half three-pointers per game. That's his average, obviously. As his floor, I say he gets replaced in the rotation by Justin Holiday, and he ends up warming up the bench every game. That's his primary primary job. So ceiling, average over six points per game, floor, warm the bench. Fun fact, since he was what? <coughs> Excuse me. Since he was white and got buckets in college, people obviously thought they needed to compare him to Larry Bird, LOL. He got an SI cover in his Creighton jersey that recreated Larry Bird's iconic Indiana State University photo that he had with the cheerleaders. And maybe Doug lived up to that in college, but certainly in the NBA. It's just the one thing. You get a white guy who can shoot, everybody just automatically says Larry Bird, and it hasn't happened yet. So that's going to wrap it up for Doug McDermott. Next up, Brian Bowen. All right. Uh, now we have Brian Bowen, who was just signed to a two-way contract with the Pacers in the offseason. Brian is currently 20 years old. In October, he's going to be tw- turning 21. So congratulations on being able to purchase legal alcoholic beverages in a couple months, Brian. Uh, even though probably in Australia, I don't know what the drinking age is there, but maybe he could there. Um, so a little background on Brian. This is some juicy details from his college career. As we all know, he did not go. He did go to college, but he never actually played a game in college. So Bowen committed to Louisville, and this was during all the Patino scandals back in 2017, I believe. Uh, his father was alleged to receive payments from Louisville and it was subsequently decided that he was ruled ineligible to play, and also I believe Louisville had suspended him. So he ended up transferring to South Carolina, and he was expected to play in January of 2019 for South Carolina. So that would have been last college semester earlier in the year is when he was expected to play for South Carolina. Uh, when he, After he transferred to South Carolina, in the 2018 season, he decided he was going to declare for the NBA draft. So this was the last year he decided, I'm just going to declare for the NBA draft, screw college. Uh, and then he actually withdrew from the draft in June because he probably realized that he didn't have a good shot of making an NBA roster. So uh, he ended up going to Australia last season, and he played overseas there. I believe he averaged six points per game. I don't know how the game's really played in Australia, but you've seen six points per game. That's not really impressive, but that's what he got. Uh, some awards and achievements he has done, but he was a five-star recruit and McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. So he was obviously a heavily recruited guy, and then things just went south from there. Um, he was likely going to be a first-round draft pick had he played for Louisville in his freshman season, 
but uh, it didn't happen, and now here we are. Career highs, he has none. He hasn't played a game in the NBA. Uh, contract, like I just mentioned, he is on that two-way deal with the Pacers. Um, and then going into his fit with the Pacers, there really is no fit for him on this team this season. He's going to spend the majority of his time with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Shout out Steve Ganzi. Um, so let's see actually what he can do again in the G League. And then we can go from there. I mean, you had players like Alizé Johnson, Edmund Sumner, uh, and then also Aaron Holiday spent some time in the G League. Let's see what Brian can do in the G League. I thought he played okay during the NBA Summer League. I'd like to see what he does, uh, you know, over a couple months in the G League, and then we can assess, well, do we think he's actually ready for the NBA game? Um, Because obviously he's got the talent to do it. He could have been a first-round draft pick, but, you know, uh, he hasn't been really been playing against that top level competition no no offense to australia uh, but uh we'll see what he does in the g league that's for sure ceiling for brian bowen and i got a doozy here for for you my ceiling for him is he plays in one nba game this year that's quite a ceiling I don't think uh, he'll play really any for the Pacers. He does have a two-way deal, so he is eligible, but that's my ceiling for him. I say he plays in one game this season. Just because the Pacers have so much depth, it's going to be so hard for him to get called up into play, unless there's injuries and things like that. But my ceiling as of now, as it sits today, he plays in one NBA game this year. His floor... His father accepts payments from the Mad Ants, and he gets suspended. That's obviously a joke, um, but really no floor for him either. He, uh, you know, he could play in one game this year for the Pacers, or he could not. No one's going to notice. Um, he's actually probably just lucky that I'm even doing a player profile on him. But his stuff's interesting. Fun fact for Brian Bowen, his nickname is Tugs. I don't know where that came from, but I got the fun fact. I should have done some more research, but I thought that was an interesting nickname. So if anybody can reach out and let me know why his nickname's Tugs so I don't have to research that, I would appreciate it. But his nickname is Tugs. So that's all I got there for Brian Bowen. And next, but save the best for last, that's for, cer- that's for certain, Jakar Sampson. Alrighty, folks, last but not least to wrap this up, we have Jakar Sampson. Sampson is 26 years old this NBA season, although if you look at photos of him, he definitely looks older than that. Jakar attended St. John's University from 2012 to 2014. Uh, He went undrafted in the 2014 NBA draft and signed with the Philadelphia 76ers in the summer of 2014. He is now entering his fifth NBA season. Um, Awards and achievements, he doesn't have any, but he was the NBA uh, D League, I believe it was back in this time. It was the D League. It was still called the D League. He was a D League All Star in 2017. Shout out Jakar. Not a lot of people can say that. Career high is what? Career high wise, points wise, you're going to be impressed by this. I'm not kidding you. Points wise, he had 29 points versus the Philadelphia 76ers in 2019. That was last season. We're going to get into that a little more in a little bit, but 29 points is his career high, and he just did that against the Sixers last year. Rebounds wise, his career high is 16 versus the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 2017. Assists, he had six against the Miami Heat back in 2015. Career high in steals is three versus the Heat back in 2015. And I've just now, <coughs> excuse me, I've just now added blocks, and blocks will be covered also with the big men. But I thought it was a very good statistic for Mr. Sampson. His career high in blocks is four, and he's done that twice, most recently against the Los Angeles Lakers back in 2018. Contract-wise, he has a one-year minimum deal with the Indiana Pacers. He will be making $1.7 million this season. His fit with the Pacers, wing depth, and that's all I got to say about that. He is specifically wing depth. Uh, Next point, he's a world traveler, and odds are no matter what part of the world you're in right now, he's probably played for your team at some point. This guy is 26 years old, uh, and he's probably played for any, think of whatever state or country you're in, he's probably played for your team in some aspect. That's just how well-traveled this man is. All right, and then here's the big statistic that I'm throwing at you. Go to ESPN.com right now and type in Jakar Sampson. That's what I want you to do. While you're listening to this, I'll give you a little pause. Go to ESPN.com, 
uh, or actually don't go to ESPN, Tom. Go to Google, type in Jakar Sampson, go to ESPN. Look at that stats page. Top right corner, ESPN's got the basic stats for the year before. Points per game, rebounds per game, PER, and assists, I believe. Last season, Jakar Sampson. In 2018-2019, Jakar Sampson averaged 20 points per game and 8 rebounds per game. Almost averaged a double-double. His PER was 22.5. He averaged 20 points per game, 8 rebounds a game, and a 22.5 PER. Why the hell was this man not paid over $20 million a year? because he played in four games. <laughs> he only played in four games last season, and it was with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, but still, I mean, he can say that, he can tell people that he had an NBA season where he averaged 20 points per game. Not a lot of guys can say that. Um, ceiling and floor for Jakar. Ceiling, he plays. Uh, floor, he gets cut. It's very simple. Uh, his ceiling is he gets to play. Floor is adios, Jakar. Fun fact, and this is probably because he's a big fan of the TV show, his nickname is SpongeBob Samson. That makes absolutely zero sense to me as I'm crumbling up my piece of paper about Jakar Samson. But his nickname is SpongeBob Samson. I'm not going to call him that. Um, but more power to him. He loves SpongeBob SquarePants that he had the name himself, SpongeBob Samson. Um, so that's going to wrap it up. There's seven guys for you. The last couple of guys there, uh, probably less known by you that listening to this, but obviously we're going over every player. And I didn't have to go over Victor Oladipo with you guys because I know you know everything there is to know about him. But that's the thing about player profiles. We're at the end of August. There's no NBA news out there. we got to have something to pass the time, something to get you your NBA fix. And this is what it is. We're going over the fit with the team of all these new guys, new faces, new new place. Um, and we're just discussing how they fit with the Pacers. And so you get to know a little bit more about these guys going into, going into the season. Um, so that's going to wrap up our Wings profiles. Um, so make sure, uh, you know, if you enjoyed listening to this, tell a friend. You know, tell your buddy, say, hey, there's a good podcast episode on Wings players. Uh, you got to go check it out. So tell a friend, refer a friend, do it. Um, and I'm kind of just going off the cuff right here. So last but not least, my next point is, and we're going to have Colts profiles here later in the week, but coming up on our next Pacers profiles, it's going to be part three Pacers profiles, part three, it will be the big men. So that's going to wrap it up this series, three part series. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to it. We have the, um, uh, the point guards that we did last week. This week, obviously, as you're listening right now, we have the um, wing players, and then coming up, it's the big men. And then also, if you're an Indianapolis Colts fans, we just did a good one with uh, Hawk. He's uh, he's breaking down that uh, for the Colts. He's a big Colts fan, as am I, but I'd say Hawk is probably more of a diehard Colts fan than I am. Uh, he's breaking down last, uh, last week's episode. He did offensive and defensive line. This upcoming week, I have no idea what he's got planned. It's going to be a surprise for me. It's going to be a surprise for you. But it's going to be Colts information for you. Colts season coming up in a couple weeks. Let you know a little bit more about the players on the team. It's going to be a 53-man roster. And you, I bet you don't know half of the players. And Hawk's going to detail everything for you in those episodes. But like I said, if you haven't checked out the point guard one, make sure you go check it out. This one was the Wings. Next week, we have Big Men. So thanks a lot, guys, for tuning in. Appreciate it. This has been the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Have a good rest of the week.